Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Zoobcast. It is just Louie and Josh today, just the two of us, because we kind of had to press the emergency meeting button because of the events that have just transpired. Uh, we are we are currently recording this after the Rangers game on Thursday, but the real reason we are recording is obviously Jacob frickin' Chikrin is an Ottawa senator. I cannot believe it. Like last episode was just supposed to be a, a just a regular pre-trade deadline week thing. And then all the trades started happening. We were like, whatever, we'll record after the deadline. And then this dropped. This absolutely bonkers, just absolutely insane trade that has been built up over the last year. And the sense actually pull it off. It's just I I still can't wrap my head around it. I remember last night. I I was literally just on the couch getting like waiting to go to the 67s game uh working on some on some data and I get a text from my my friend Eric who's a Habs fan and it's just I know you're happy I was like what what is he talking about so I my first reaction is just check Twitter sure enough sends account the Sens have acquired Jacob Chikrin in exchange for a conditional second in 2024 a second in 2026 and a top 5 protected first this year in 2023 absolutely huge because that i i am out there's a there's a drop off after the top five i don't know about you josh if you've done some scouting i haven't done for this much at all to be completely honest okay. but in my opinion yeah there's a drop yeah. off after that so it's huge that they protected it but yeah so the thing about that and um kind of a thing on sense Twitter today people are quote tweeting that greg lushinsky i think it's how you say yeah. his last name. <laughs> i don't even know if he deserves to have it said properly but anyways, he said the Sens, essentially implying the Sens gave up the sixth overall pick for Chikrin. Um, but the only way that happens is the Sens now have 66 points as we're recording after they beat uh, New York, which we'll get into. They have to drop uh, 13 points to Vancouver to fall all the way down into sixth last by the end of the year. Or they would have to finish 17th and then win the lottery and you can move up 10 spots technically. That's like the most you can move up now. So let's just say the Sens finish 18th and they miss the playoffs and they win the lottery. Well, it's fifth overall. So they, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on that. That's just my like quick brain thinking that, right? So then they'd still have their pick. But the odds of that are incredibly low, of course. And, yeah. um, you know, like even if y- you expect that if they miss the playoffs, it'll be wherever they finish in the standing. So it's probably in like the... 11 to 15 range if they miss but we can talk about how they played tonight because if they play like that i know the rangers are on a back-to-back but the Sens were also on a pk for like 15 minutes the first because, half of the game we were on the on the pk yeah like it was ridiculous so i was taking midterm but i had the game on my ipad while i was taking it because it was at home like you can do it from home a true sense fan uh louis louis yes so you're in statistics it was the data analytics course Oh, so lots of multiple choice on some stuff and then stuff about data visualization. 
for everyone that's who loves literally stats. this is exactly what i do by the yeah. way for the people and who don't know had, <laughs> and then the final question the big one was basically uh just creating pivot tables and stuff it, it wasn't anything too challenging but I spread it out well enough that I could um, watch the game while I did it and finish with about two and a half minutes left. So I timed it perfectly. But I did see the Watson hit. I really hope Mott's okay. He has a yeah. head injury history. That was uh, rather, like, I, I don't know what Watson was thinking there. I don't think it was intentional, but it was like five-minute major was the right call there. Like, there, yes. there's no need to be jumping up and hitting the guy in the head into the boards. Um. Then, as always, they take a too many men penalty later on. And I think that was in the second period. Maybe it was the last penalty of the first. Either, yeah, it was the last penalty of the first, I think. But either way, uh, lots of penalties, but they still pull out a win. They got a goal waved off by about half a frame that happened 15 seconds before the goal. And that killed all their momentum in the third. I mean, they were down 3-2. They scored two in two minutes. They scored again a minute later. And they got waved off. Long review. So they lost all their momentum, but they pulled it out. They scored the empty netter. I swear, I was so stressed before, but that empty netter really eased it. And uh, yeah, Louis, what else? What did you think about the game overall? Because you watched more of it than me, so. Yeah, uh, no, it was it was wild. It's I, it's the, it's been a while since my my heart was beating that that fast during a Senators game, and that is the best compliment I can give this team because I it, it's gotten to the point where I've gone through my grades 11 12 and almost my entire undergrad without that feeling which is just ridiculous at this point like it's it's so not, well to be fair another time where i was stressed the hell out was when chikrin went down because i thought wow well the universe hates us it's it's game over <laughs> when he went down into the corner i was like it's gonna be like imagine if it's another like shoulder Seriously. injury into the half into like the corner boards i'm gonna lose my the, mind that yeah it was the fact that he was putting, like, he was on his fists, told me it wasn't his shoulder, so that was good. But I thought, yeah. watching the replay especially, it looked like he, like, tore his ACL or something. Like, his right knee is not supposed to go into the board like that. I think, honestly, and I tweeted this, but I, I feel like he was really worried. It, it, like, one of those things that hurts right away really bad. And he's probably yeah, sitting there, like, seriously, first game with my hometown team in a playoff push, and I might be done for the year. But then, you know, thankfully he got up. They panned to him before the break, the commercial break, and he like he was he didn't he wasn't wincing or anything. So I was pretty hopeful. And then yeah, he finished the game. But I only really like was watching watching the third, and there were a couple plays where it's just unbelievable his defensive, like presence. He is really gross. that's all it is. Like yeah, the, you tweeted this the one v ones. You're not getting around him. Yeah, and he does he's not taking penalties because he's one hand on the stick. And he's not closing his hand. He's not wrapping around your shoulder. It's like hand on the back. And the stick is wrapping around you without holding you. It is incredible. And it was there's one play. I don't know exactly the time, but it was in the third. Uh, Chikrin made a backhand pass under pressure, sauced it to Pinto in the middle of the ice. And you could just tell Pinto was not expecting to receive a pass, like a breakout pass that clean because he bobbled it. He was like, I thought this was going off the boards and out or something. And uh, it ended up like not leaving the zone because Pinto bobbled it, but it was just like a breath of fresh air. And we can be negative and talk about the fact that they scratched Brandstrom. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. look, let's hope that it's just because he didn't get practice. They wanted, they didn't want, you know, four younger guys in the lineup. But uh, I think tonight was evident that Chikrin jumps up in the rush a lot more than Brandstrom. 
and that exposes Holden's skating, which is not his fault. It's because he's getting older. Like if this was Holden yeah. five years ago, he can skate and keep up. But you know, with a guy jumping up in the rush, and you need Holden to be back at all times, especially against a team with speed like the Rangers, it kind of got exposed. There it was four three, Chicker and pinched, and Holden had to defend a two on one, and they were able to basically get behind him there. But otherwise, like he looks really good. Once they put him into the top four, I think it'll be even better. Um, and they have a couple easier games coming up, at least opponent-wise. So hopefully that gives them a chance to try some different things out. Mm-hmm. And pivoting to another player who had a really, really good game and a, also a special game for him, Derek Broussard had maybe the best 1,000th game in an Ottawa Senators jersey. I know we can argue that because Phillips also scored twice in his 1,000th game, which is crazy because that man scored maybe, like, what? Did he even score 100 goals in his career? I, I, I don't I, even think he did. That's a, that's a question for uh, Sense Trivia. Yeah, true, so, true. Let, let's, let's write it down so Adam remembers. Um, But yeah, it, it wasn't just, like, he scored whatever. Like, that second goal was beautiful. Oh, my God. And yes. the way the way this whole trajectory has gone up, they lined it up perfectly. Like I don't know if they were getting some strategic scratches in there, but the fact that he's getting his 1,000th game against the team in which he really grew into his own in New York, and then he gets to have his ceremony back in his hometown with his hometown team against the team that drafted him in Columbus, which is it, it's so nice to be able to see it because he came in on a PTO at the start of the season. And he's he's actually got really good production this season. What is he at? Like 21, 21 points in like 49 games or something, I believe. Hold on, let me... Yeah. He has 12 goals now, I think. So that's the big thing. Like, they need depth scoring. He's been providing it. Exactly. And that's that's one thing that the Suns should really look to add. <laughs> Speaking of depth, of like just depth scoring and depth on offense, the deadline is tomorrow. Pierre Dorian should ideally add another guy. I know it's been talked about that he's kind of looked at just adding anywhere, really. Um, and it's been mentioned, you know, specifically bottom six center. I'd even take a, a bottom six, a genuinely effective bottom six winger at this point. I just want more pieces that you can slot in, even if it's a, if it's a one year guy. I know you you made the poll. Who are the guys that you put again that are on the trade bait list? So I put Bukestad. But he's gone now, and he, he yeah. was the, the top option. I put yeah. James Van Riemsdyk. He's an interesting one because he has a high cap hit, but the Sens don't need retention to make it work. So his price would be cheap. He's a winger. And this is his last year. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Connor Sherry, also last year, he got the least amount of votes. He got less than Athanasiu, who was the fourth option. I think Connor Sherry would be terrific for the bottom six. He'd bring an element of rush offense to the bottom six, which I desperately need. Um, but I think he'd be the most expensive of the, all the four because I think people know that he's pretty good. And he and he doesn't bring much defensive value, like at all, really. Like he'll yeah. he'll have to get the puck out of the zone, but while you're in it and defending, it's it's gonna be a little tough. I do agree though, it'd be interesting to see another guy. Like we have someone like Joseph, obviously they're the way they impact the game is not fully the same, but they both bring that transition value in the bottom six. And we, we saw that today with, with Joseph on that first press all goal. That was a beautiful shift to beat the icing, get spin off his man, cut across to the inside and get the shot off. Then ended up getting tipped by Brassard. Um, but yeah, to go yeah. back to, to the players, I honestly think 
do we know how much JVR could fetch? Because I would love, I would love him as an option. I think with no, I mean, here's the thing: the Flyers would be smart to retain because they could get more. But if it's a situation where it was like a little funny, like Arizona, where they want to get as much money off as possible, that that's an advantage to Ottawa, right? And the price goes down. He's having a down year, so it should be a buy low type thing. But I'm not sure. I haven't seen any like reports on um on his price. He's still like I know his production hasn't been insane, but he's still like half a point per game, roughly a little mm-hmm. above, I believe. He's dry like he's driving very strong uh suppression and generation numbers in terms of expected goals on a really shitty Flyers team. And like I, I know he's like he's 33, so he's getting older, but his transition stats have not like they're still around or a little above average whether that's him carrying into it into the zone passing it in and creating off of those so i really think that's probably the type of guy and and a little bit of forechecking value actually like it's it's a very good well-rounded option that i think you can slot in whenever and if you wanted to mix up the lines like we did during that one stretch where we kind of just decided to spread out two guys from our top six over along three different lines and then have one of the bottom six guys fill fill that in. He could be one of those guys alongside Joseph, alongside, uh, I guess it was, I guess it would be Broussard now, but he'd be kind of the perfect type of option that I'd look into, uh, into getting. Yeah. Sorry. I'm kind of, um, I just put out a tweet, Zucast. So I guess if you're, if you're listening, you'll have already seen it, but I'm just checking like, because uh, you were talking about Broussard, I want to bring up my next player that to talk about, and that's Claude Giroux, because oh my god, he's he so has just been insane. <laughs> so I put out a tweet. The Sens are first in the NHL since January 25th. That's a month and a week. That's So they're 11-3-1. That's 15 games. In those 15 games, Claude Giroux has 11 goals, 9 primary assists, and 23 points in 15 games. This that He is single-handedly leading that charge to get the Sens to the playoffs. He's just play, been playing in, incredible lately, like unreal. How many? So that's what? That's 22 points out of a possible. Wait. 23 out of a possible 30. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It's 767 point percentage. So the only team with higher point percentage is Carolina at 769. Yeah. But so we're above the Bruins and the Devils in that span. Yeah. Yeah, it's they've been playing in, insane. They have had a couple easier matchups, no doubt. Like the schedules can get tougher, but you think eleven three and one against some good teams combined with some easier teams can still translate to above five hundred play against good teams, right? Like it's not like they're just beating, uh, you know, only Vancouver, Arizona, Chicago. I mean, their OT loss was to Chicago, so <laughs> that's that's it. Like there's not much more to it. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm looking at Money Puck right now, and the, they have the Sens playoff odds at 22% after the win tonight. And that's the so way they calculate it. It's a power that, score, right? I don't know if that's what you were yeah, going to say. Yeah, which doesn't update until tomorrow. Yeah. So so let's just say, like, a lot of it, a lot of it is based on finishing. Um, So, like, Buffalo's was really high because they were the best finishing team in the league. It's kind of come down a bit. Um, but the other thing it doesn't uh, account for yet is who else lost their games. So that 22% is only based on Ottawa winning today. So uh, I would assume yeah. when it updates, it usually updates at like 4 a.m. or something. Their odds will be closer to yeah. probably above 25%, if I had to guess. 
just because uh, we haven't even touched on this yet, but Detroit lost in OT, Florida lost in regulation, and Buffalo lost in regulation. Islanders didn't play, and the Penguins won, but it's looking like they'll be wildcard one. So really, it's just a fight for wildcard two now. You still want the, the Pens to lose, but really... It's not like we're far behind them either. They don't need to either. be wildcard one. And if I'm being honest, this might be a hot take. I would rather face Boston in round one than Carolina. I, I think the Matt... Oh, yeah. Like, they are just <laughs> in... in it, it does sound ridiculous to say it, but... Look, look, like look. The odds of, I placed the odds fit. of them beating either team at 10%. Yeah, but if I got to choose, I would face the team having one of the best, if not the best season of all time. Can't believe I'm saying that, but I was talking to my buddies who's a Sabres fan. Um, our editor, actually, Aaron. Yeah. If you're listening to this, shut up. Yeah, Aaron. but we both agree, like, like both of us would rather face Boston. So I was like, no, no, you guys can have wildcard one and we'll take wildcard two. Unless, of course, Carolina catches up to Boston, which isn't impossible, but yeah. I'm actually looking at the numbers. Boston yeah. has under 50% Corsi, under 50% expected goals in the last 15 games. I, I did hear that. Yeah. They're, and that. And Carolina's at 62% and 60%. <laughs> so... the, the epitome of that was in the Calgary game where they somehow still won after being outshot like 52 to like, was they, they have like low 20. I think it was 57, shooting. 19 or something. Oh yeah. my God. 57, 27 or something. Yeah. Calgary, man. It was insane. <laughs> that's ridiculous they okay adam brought this up while we were playing overwatch earlier today there's only three teams who haven't made a trade uh in the last like two weeks or something and one of them is calgary are they like because they're what they're five points out of the playoffs right now they technically could still make it they're really just staying there they're just drifting not doing anything right like i i don't see I don't see whatever plan it is they're trying to take. Do we play them before the end of the season? Who's that? Sorry, Calgary. Yes, we play a uh, Alberta Swing. Play Calgary, oh, and yeah. that that's a rough game because I'm pretty sure. So they 100 percent sure they play Vancouver the night before, and Calgary's on rest. Um, and it's also an hour earlier, and there's daylight savings that night. So it's like, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah. But, you know, like it's one of those games where you understand if they lose, but if they grab a point, it's huge. It also depends what they do tomorrow, right? As we're recording this Thursday night, there's rumors they might trade a couple top nine forwards. I don't know. They want to well, do something big, apparently. Well, you talked about Dylan Dubé, if they're moving him. That would yeah, be an interesting, that's, interesting It piece. is an interesting one. I think he's a little too expensive for the Suns, which is crazy at only 2.3 million, but. They want to keep DeBrinket, Bridge Pinto, keep Brandstrom, resign Gautier, which is only a million dollars. But with the cap only going up a million, they can. I, I did a um, cap friendly, and I just resigned the team, and they were like ten thousand over the cap, ten thousand dollars only. But makes it tough to acquire two point three million. Yeah, obviously that's but... a problem. I mean, he's signed next year, right? It's a problem you can deal with at the draft. I mean, you can go over the cap in the off season, so. Right, if they got Dubay and then they can't make it work, and you have to flip them again. I mean, it's not; it doesn't happen often, but it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. What you you mentioned, Gautier? I feel like we haven't even talked about him, and this guy just kind of slotted in, and he's been playing. Yeah. What What are your What are your thoughts on him so far? In the In the few games he's played, I think, I, I think he's a fine fourth liner. Like, I'd I keep him yeah. next year. I mean, he's an RFA, right? That's why Dorian did it. Um. 
I don't think there's like third liner type player there. At least, you know, he still has some developing to do, which is tough in a fourth line role, but the Sens are no longer in the stage where they can give reclamation projects top six minutes, right? So if they can just sign him for a million bucks next year, play him on the fourth line, I would take that. Like he he's been mm-hmm. fine. What do you think though? Yeah, well, I, I again, it's another type of guy where he's got that good skating, and it just injects more speed. Yeah, and the physicality, which six. like, yeah, yeah, you don't just want physicality, but it, he does it all together a bit. That's the so. thing; it's not just physicality. It's obviously it's you're, you're hitting everyone and wearing them down, but he's also using it to be one of the most efficient four checkers in the league this year, and while still holding, combining that physicality being able to ward off contact, attracting contact to him, and then being able to skate away and kind of force the opposition to take penalties. He's got an incredible like penalty differential per 60 this season, which is one of the yeah, best things that exa- actually Mott provided. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Colorado model. Like get make your depth guys draw a ton of penalties and just get your top guys out there. So, yep. you know, I think that's a big thing that I would preach in the off season. Like, signing guys, depth guys who draw a lot of penalties and don't take a lot. Because the Sens draw the most in the league, but they also take, I think, the most, if not top three. So yeah. if you can cut down on one of those, it definitely improves. It improves, you know, the special team differential. Because the power play is good, and the penalty kill... we got to talk about the penalty kill, because oh they went 8-for-8 yes. eight eight against Detroit, and I think 5-for-5 five five today, or 4-for-4, four four, including a five-minute major. They're creeping up to the top five in both special teams at this point. They got Let me the, check. Coming into tonight, they had the fourth best PK on the road in the league, which is wild. What was the quote from DJ Smith again? He wanted 107, I think. 107% combined. combined. They're at uh, 100 and... Am I... They're about, just a bit above that. Not, not yeah, they're at 108.1. Today, but yeah. After today or before today? I think before, and before it's only going to get right? better. Yeah. Yeah. Based on, based on the But still, their, power, the their PK was sixth coming into the game, and they went five, four for four or five for five, I'm not sure. Um, so that only ticks it up. They could be top five in both like by, to, by the end of the day, which is incredible and just goes to show, like, if you keep that up next season and you fix the five on five issues, that's a really well rounded team. Yeah, and Chikrin can't really make either special team worse, right? <laughs> no, especially think, with the exactly. shot. Oh my god! Yeah, like I think what they did today was perfect. You have them on the half wall on PP two, because they do have a, a lack of, you know, like the seventh or eighth forward on the team being a good power play option. You put Sanderson at the point and Chikrin for a one timer or just to dish it. I think that's really good what they did today. So who do they have on the other on the other side of the umbrella there? Was it Jiru? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that means Brassard was still on, and I guess Pinto was was high slot. And the slot, yeah. Which is, I okay. think that's fine for the year. I, you'd probably like to switch Brassard. I mean, I don't know. Love Brassard this year, but I think he's going to retire. I um, I know they've so yeah I know they've they've there. tried Castellic. Uh, Here's I, the thing, though. You got to remember, next year Norris comes back. That adds. That's the power play threat they have. Okay, right? so this game, so. season, you know who's actually a really good passer from the goal line on the power play and can still be quite feisty in front of the net with a good finishing touch and close quarters. 
Angus Crookshank. I'm say just it. saying. Oh, okay. I'm just okay. saying. I was going to try and guess. No. <laughs> Whenever I'm talking about a mysterious player that could somehow solve all of our problems and is right in front of our eyes, I, I think it's it's quite evident <laughs> who I'm going to bring up. <laughs> I think I do a little shuffling around because the power plays have been struggling lately. I think about moving Giroud to power play one. Yeah. Um, moving Batherson down to power play two and having him as the goal line passer. I think he'd be effective there. And yeah, then, I can see that. Um, what else? I think that that's basically the big change. Maybe put, yeah, because um, you don't really Joe, oh, have. You'd have to so you take Broussard off from down low, and then you'd um I would say replace him with Joseph on the half wall maybe, or even go you could try Gauthier on that half wall. He has a that's big shot, true. right? Well, yeah, his shot it, actually not, been really good this season, like finishing wise. Yeah, so, and I like the idea of having two power play units that were, operate differently. You have the first unit that's built on moving the puck and getting it down low right into the slot for a shot, right? And then you mm-hmm. could have the second unit with uh, Chikorin on one one-timer and Gote on the other that basically uh, spams, you know, medium danger shots from the dots. Just to, like, it, it's different to game plan again, right? So it could be it could be an option, but they, they have some dis- like decisions. I mean, the power play is struggling, but it's not like it's 0 for 25. Right. Yeah. So I'm not too concerned about it. They'll they'll figure it out. They got so much skill on the first unit. Mm-hmm. I I I just bringing up the you talked about kind of how the first power play is focused on bringing it all down low. Can we talk about Brady Kachuk's play down low along the boards this game? I don't know if you noticed it much, but this man. Oh, he hates Truba, and he yeah, he channeled it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, he was putting him into a blender. Like you cannot take the puck off of him, and combine that with the fact that he has like very quietly become one of the best. Like he's been able to use that to become one of the best in zone playmakers in the league. Like he's not much of a rush guy. I mean, in terms of like carrying it up himself, like he'll actually get like a fair bit of breakaways and get a lot of chances, but that's just because when he does get transition plays, they're usually scoring chances, but in the offensive zone, he's got that beautiful, just the whole, the whole package that gives him so yeah. much more time. He's really developed. Space. It's incredible. Like I, I remember when, when he signed that contract, like, Oh, I don't know. It's a little much. It's, he is such a unicorn in the way he plays that I don't know. I'm just so excited that we have him for six more years at that much. And Timmy at like around the same price is they, ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to give him, it's going to make for some tough decisions for lines next year. Cause ideally I was thinking, you know, like Norris comes back, you might go back to seven, nine, 19. And then you can get it in preseason 12, 18, 28. But Kachuk Stutzla Giroux is unbelievable. I, I don't think like, he can break up that line. That's the problem. I, yeah, I think you just the only thing is I don't know how much I love to break it with Nora, but I mean you you may as well try it, right? Because the yeah. what you lose from that line not being maximized, you probably gain and then some from that first line being so good. Like Giroux and Kachuk are just impossible to knock off the puck. You have Stutzla make getting himself open twenty four seven. And even he's getting better at, you know, not getting knocked off the puck or along the boards and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a possession line that can just turn cycles into high danger chances, like in a in the blink of an eye. That I, I would keep that line next year, the more I think about it. And yeah, they dominated today. 
what if what if they tried to have a more balanced approach only for that middle six in the sense that you do give yeah. them the equal type of ice time in that case in the mix i guess you'd have pinto as the c for one of them norris is the c for the although pinto to bring i guess pinto to has been working more i'd rather honestly i'd rather greg i would with with the yeah, i was gonna say to greg and bathurst uh the thing is, is you don't want to bring it to have another line? season like this year, right? You want to maximize what he can do as well. Yeah. I wouldn't I don't know if I put Pinto on the wing because the entire goal is to develop his defensive play, right? Yeah, I know. That's kind of most of his value well, is to be that future so, shut down third line center. So I guess do we go would it be Debrinket, Pinto, Greg slash Batherson, and then you get uh someone I guess Joseph plays left wing. Joseph Norris Bedard just can play either wing, but yeah. <laughs> no, we don't have our first. I guess if it's top five, we will. What if yeah, he falls to six go. and we lose the pick? <laughs> that would be the funniest That's outcome. Basically, what Wyshynski is, yeah, yeah, is implying is gonna happen. Sounds basically traded away Bedard for one year of Chikrin because he's gonna want out after this. Okay, actually, wait, wait, we didn't even talk about this. I, I just thought about Chikrin again, but now that I mentioned him. Did you catch, I know you were doing your midterm, but did you catch that interview between the second and the third periods? I did. That was, so I, I, wa- I got saw the last two and a half minutes of the second and the interview. So yeah, I caught it. That was, it was that, cool. Like so heartwarming. We're a destination. Again. Everything's, things are turning. Yeah. Like the so, man was like, yeah, my sister's here. My, my, my Dito, my grandpa is here. Like he, he's getting, <laughs> he, he's getting emotional over yeah. how happy he is. That he's on the sends. Like, I don't know who's happier, the fans that he's here or him that he's here. And that's insane. <laughs> or his family, yeah. 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 Yeah, new ownership, obviously. Like, that's no secret. It's going to come in soon, I think. Yeah. Like, there's going to be some good news on that front. Um, True. Just we haven't gotten like anything it. regarding that in the last week, have we? Nothing. Because nothing the, latest, the latest is um, that Reynolds has basically been aligned with one specific group now Tech, yeah like from what we've heard anyway yes but we also know that Bettman said this essentially isn't happening you know like Ryan Reynolds will be involved as long as he wants to be involved I don't know how yeah. much willpower Remington has to ban Ryan Reynolds from being a minority owner in an NHL team yeah all right well you know what I think yeah I think I think that's that's good enough um Good postcast. Said, First ever postcast, I think, or at least no, this serious. No, no, of we've one. this this yeah. serious of one. Well, I don't know if you I guess you weren't on that one. No, we had a postcast against Minnesota last season, and we had one after the oh, God, outrageously yeah. awful Vancouver game. And that was the at least <laughs> we have a Lone Star episode that Adam and I just yeah. absolutely lost our minds during. Yeah, so I I guess we'll wrap it up. Let's end it on nothing, this. Let's end it on this. If you sort the wildcard standings by point percentage, well, Pittsburgh's at 575. Buffalo is in second wildcard at 550. The Islanders are at 547, and the Sens are at 541. The only thing separating Ottawa and Buffalo is that Buffalo has a game in hand, but they're tied in points. The only thing separating Ottawa from New York is they're four points back with... Uh, Four, yeah, four points back with three games in hand. So they control their own destiny against both teams because they play against Buffalo. 
right? So you beat Buffalo and you win your games in hand, you pass both, as long as you have the same record in the non, you know, non-makeup games. So that that's the situation the Sens are in. It's the first time this season the Sens can say they control their destiny to make the playoffs. And that is crazy to think about. Good Lord. Well, that is yep. some insanely uh, an insanely good outlook to end the episode on that I don't think any of us in the last few months would have imagined that we'd get to this point. So on that note, thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye.